This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on a very frosty Friday, December the 9th. We will have more on the weather in a short moment's time, plus reaction to Gillingham's incredible win in the FA Cup last night and a look ahead to what's going on in Kent this weekend. But first, a mum is launching legal action against a Kent hospital trust after a coroner ruled her baby's death was avoidable. Rosanna Matthews passed away just three days after being born at Tunbridge Wells Hospital in Pembury in November 2020. Her mum, Elena Sala, told the inquest how she thought she was being ignored as a young first-time mum. Well, the Maidstone and Tunbridge Wells NHS Trust has apologised and say her care fell short of standards. Other top stories today and police are treating the deaths of two people in Tunbridge Wells as unexplained. A man and woman in their 70s were found in a house in Langton Road on Wednesday night. Officers say it's currently not thought to be suspicious, but they are continuing to investigate. A man's been arrested following a police chase involving a quad bike on Sheppey. The vehicle failed to stop for officers on the A249 and was followed to Iwade. A 29-year-old from Sheerness has been questioned and released on bail until next March. Firefighters have spent the night at a huge fire in a derelict building near Gravesend. Crews were called to the former Portlands Club on Northfleet High Street. The Grade 2 listed building dates back to 1878. We're told no one was hurt, but it's unclear yet how the fire started. Now, could we about to see the first snowfall of the winter in Kent? A yellow alert for snow and ice has been issued for the county from Sunday until Monday morning. Ish joins me now. So Ish, what have forecasters said? Well, they're saying they can't guarantee snowfall, but there is a chance a band of sleet or snow could push into the southeast on Sunday morning. If it does, they reckon there's a chance of up to five centimetres of the white stuff and even more over higher ground like the south and north downs. It's also going to be really icy. Now there's a suggestion all of this could lead to some travel disruption on the roads and rail services could also be affected by the icy blast. But as you heard on the podcast recently, the gritters are ready to treat roads across the county. Now this particular weather warning lasts until 9 on Monday morning. Don't forget there's also a cold weather health alert also in force and we're being urged to check on vulnerable family and neighbours to make sure they're keeping warm. For those who are struggling to pay increased energy bills, a cold weather payments could help. Grants of £25 will be available to low-income households every time the weather locally is or is forecast to be at freezing or below for seven consecutive days. Ish, thank you ever so much. Don't forget, you can hear regular travel bulletins over on our sister radio station, KMFM. Plus, you can follow our travel blog on Kent Online. Kent Online News. A charity volunteer has been attacked by three dogs that were chasing a flock of sheep near Sittingbourne. It happened at the Queen down Warren Nature Reserve yesterday morning. A number of sheep were also found dead by the Kent Wildlife Trust at Hunstead Wood in Canterbury earlier this week. A homemade Coca-Cola truck has been stolen from a Christmas lights display in Gillingham. You might remember we told you on the podcast previously that it had been handmade by Zoe Murphy and cost nearly £1,000. Well, she was hoping her display would win a national competition and is also raising money for a childhood cancer charity. 
If you head to Kent Online today, you can see CCTV footage of the moment the truck was taken. MPs have held talks with the government to express their anger over plans to extend London's ultra-low emission zone to the border of Kent. From next August, drivers of older, more polluting cars will be charged £12.50 a day to drive into areas like Bexley, Orpington and Sidcup. Dartford MP Gareth Johnson says the poorest people will suffer. Now, people living in a part of Dartford say they're so fed up with antisocial behaviour, they're setting up their own neighbourhood watch to try and stop it. Young people are said to be causing a nuisance in Wilmot Park in the West Hill part of town. Since setting it up, around 160 people have signed up to the scheme and are campaigning for changes. We've been speaking to Richard Passmore, who's joined it. When the uh, letters came through the front doors, I thought it was a really good idea because it creates such a good sense of community. It goes beyond just neighbourhood watch and making sure houses are safe and everything else. And, and I just think it's really good to have that sense of community. It's what we, we kind of lack a little bit uh, in, most, in most of the areas. So I was really pleased about that. And is there any sort of particular issues in the area that you have kind of thought about and haven't been able to raise but now can? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I, I sat down and looked at all the issues that had been raised recently. A lot of the ones, issues that I was concerned about, uh, safety, um, for, for people walking through alleyways and, and badly lit areas of the council, um, safety in, in the parks, the local Wilmot Park is, is, is something I use with my grandkids, so I'm quite in, interested in that. Um, and, and also and also around uh, things like litter picking and fly tipping, which, which is prevalent in every, every part of the borough. I think it's really important to stop, stop that sort of thing going on. It's the antisocial behaviour side of it. But also in other issues as well, I think, around um, just making sure your neighbours are okay, their mental health, their physical health and everything else. So you, you, you kind of get that sense of community and start pulling together to try and make, make a difference. And do you feel like, obviously it's only been going for about a month or so now, it is making a bit of a difference? I think so, because we have raised several, several topics of several topics have been raised over, over the past eight weeks or so and they're all they're all things which everyone cares about you know whether it's uh, car parking uh, dog fouling um, and, and and litter generally as, as well as the safety side you know, we, we found out there was a there was a burglary in one of the local houses um, which otherwise we just wouldn't have known about so it's good good to be on your guard Richard was speaking to our reporter Alex Langridge you can also read that story in full by heading to the website This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. The Archbishop of Canterbury is urging the government to take a more compassionate approach towards asylum seekers who cross the Channel to Kent in small boats. Justin Welby's been speaking in the House of Lords today, as figures show more than 43,000 people have made the dangerous journey so far this year. Here's some of what he had to say. A compassionate asylum system is one that sees the faces of those in need and listens to their voices. A compassionate system does not mean open borders, but a disposition of generosity and a readiness to welcome those whose need is genuine and where we are able to meet that need. It also means compassion and generosity to those communities that will receive refugees, which are often neglected and forgotten. And I've seen this with my own eyes around the diocese I serve in East Kent, the Diocese of Canterbury, which perhaps bears the heaviest weight of this great crisis. 
A compassionate policy is one that has confidence to reject the shrill narratives that all who come to us for help should be treated as liars, scroungers, or less than fully human. Compassion is not weakness or naivety. So much of the public and political debate on migration is driven by fear, my lords, linked to change and a fear of loss of control. Some of these fears are understandable. Many people are concerned that their communities and local services risk being overwhelmed. In East Kent, local schools, businesses and hospitals have risen amazingly and magnificently to the challenge. The RNLI and Border Force have carried out their mandate of saving life at sea despite the disgraceful politicisation of their work by some. There is real pressure on housing, schools and GP surgeries, to which they respond superbly. But refugees have not, by the way, caused our housing crisis. We are around 40 years behind in our investment in housing stock. There would be a crisis anyway. When we fail to challenge the harmful rhetoric that refugees are the cause of this country's ills, then they should, that they should be treated as problems, not people, invaders to be tackled and deterred, we deny the essential value and dignity of fellow human beings. The right to seek asylum and the duty of the global community together to protect refugees has been politically degraded in this country when it should be a positive source of pride. There's been a rise in the number of people in hospital with COVID in Kent. Latest figures show 118 patients were being treated on Wednesday, up from 85 the previous week. Coronavirus cases have also increased slightly in the county and 24 deaths were recorded in the seven days to November the 25th. New data has revealed it cost Kent Police £260,000 to send officers into London to help out following the death of the Queen. 263 people from the force were deployed to assist the Met Police in September. We're told it had no impact on services here in the county. Plans to convert a former Christian holiday camp in Herne Bay are set to be given the go-ahead. Herne Bay Court on Canterbury Road hasn't been used since 2007 and has attracted vandalism and other antisocial behaviour. Well, now the council is set to approve it being converted into a large retirement village. A final decision will be made next week. Kent Online reports. The Kent Online podcast has been hearing how virtual reality is being used as a form of therapy for young people in Kent. A pilot programme was initially launched by FCS Talking Therapies in January to support 17 to 25-year-olds. It's designed to provide an immersive experience and distract the brain away from different stresses. Well, I've been speaking to Jackie Middleton, who's from the Faversham-based charity. It's something that... um isn't used an awful lot within uh, kind of mental health arenas. Um, But we know that young people like to use virtual reality. Um, And we had the opportunity to get involved in a virtual reality um, project. And the, the point of the virtual reality really is an adjunct to therapy. So we know that virtual reality generally can make people get quite excited or quite overwhelmed with things and it's quite of an, an adrenaline seekers thing, really. But the virtual reality that we were um, introduced to was much more of a calming um, virtual reality so that people could calm themselves, do some kind of mindfulness-based calming around 
um, they're kind of regulating their moods, regulating their emotions. So we were really interested in that because we thought actually that is something that if people could utilize that before they went into therapy, for example, which is what we mainly provide is, is therapy for people with anxiety and depression. If people could utilize that ability on using VR headsets to calm down and em emotionally regulate before their session, that would be absolutely fantastic because it means that they'd be able to psychologically engage much better within that session. So not only would they be able to engage psychologically within the session, but they could utilize that ability to regulate their emotions outside of the VR headset. And how important is it to use technology when you're dealing with young people that young people perhaps recognize and it is not too unfamiliar for them? And, and perhaps it's something, as you say, that they use anyway, perhaps playing games and things like that. Yeah, really important, actually, because I think it's always very difficult to with young people in particular. So with the people we're talking about here are 17 to 25 year olds. It's always more difficult to get them to engage in therapy. It's that old fashioned thing, isn't it, about sitting opposite somebody and kind of having eye contact all the time. So if you can enable them to utilize something that they actually feel more comfortable with and something that is really um, useful for their age range then why not do that so that's why we thought that the virtual reality would how how useful it would be um, and it has been really useful we've done a pilot already and it's come up with some really really good results from clients fantastic have you been seeing an increase in the number of young people needing your sort of help and support we know that young people have gone through a particularly tricky time over the past couple of years with the pandemic and the social isolation and things like that yeah, so I think we've, as a service, that we've worked out at the moment, the data is telling us that it's between 18 and 20% of our referrals are from 17 to 25 year olds, um, and that their recovery rate isn't as good as the rest of the population. And that's the other reason for introducing virtual reality is that hoping that as an adjunct to therapy that might increase and help their recovery rates. Um, so it's a really difficult time for young people. And I think the cost of living crisis as well, on top of the pandemic, as you just mentioned, you know, is also going to be something that's really causing a difficulty. And we know there's a lot of evidence out there about the mental health of young people. Um, so it, we're wanting to kind of dig into that market, if you like, and actually have an open door for those young people so that we can provide what it is that they need right now. And we're doing some really close work with the young person service, um, the local CAMS and the local NELFT team, um, so that there's a lot of young people who are transitioning between those services. So they're coming out of young person services, coming into adult services, and we're working on a, on a pathway to bring them across to the, our adult service in a much more much more smooth care pathway. Really interesting stuff there from Jackie, and they've now been given funding to run the service for the next two years. Dartford Grammar School has been named one of the top in the southeast. The Sunday Times list is out with schools ranked on their GCSE and A-level results. Dartford is at number four with Tunbridge Grammar also making the top ten. They sit at five. Plans to build a huge bike factory in Ashford have been officially submitted to the council. Manufacturing company Brompton is promising £100 million of investment and thousands of new jobs in the town. It will be built on stilts on wetland near the designer outlet. A Maidstone bus driver who cleared his vehicle of passengers to take an elderly woman to hospital has been described as a guardian angel. 92-year-old Daphne Wells suffered a fall on Tunbridge Road in Barming and she's been telling the Kent Online podcast what happened. I saw the bus come along and... Um... 
I, I looked at my handbag to get my pass and um, because I had gloves on, it was a bit slippery and I didn't see where I was going. And um, I, my heel caught on the step going down and I just fell uh, forward. I couldn't stop myself. I fell on my knees and, um, and then my head just went down and knocked on the pavement. Um, I couldn't get up because I've got, I've got no strength to get up on my own. So I saw the bus come along and it stopped. And um, I, just, I just sort of lay there and said, please help me somebody. I said, um, I, I can't get up. Um, and then the next thing, the driver came out and the, the lady passenger and they both helped me. They lifted me up and uh, walked me to the bench and sat me down. As you heard, the driver and another passenger did manage to get her comfortable, but were told it would take four hours for an ambulance to arrive. The passengers were transferred onto another service so Mrs Wells could get to A&E. We're pleased to say she is now recovering. Kent's only Nike store is set to finally reopen on Monday following a major revamp. The Ashford Designer Outlet shop has been closed since September for work to extend the building into the former Lyle and Scott and Cafe Nero units. They've both moved into different spots at the outlet. Mountain Warehouse is getting ready to do the same. Kent Online reports. Now, presents you donated through the Give a Gift appeal on our sister radio station, KMFM, are going to benefit children who are homeless this Christmas. We've been delivering the thousands of toys and games to hospitals and charities ahead of the big day. Some have also gone to Trinity in Maidstone. Hannah Gaston is the Housing Inclusion Manager at the Borough Council and has been speaking to Gary from KMFM Breakfast. So here we've got 23 self-contained units. Of those, 11 are rough sleepers or people that were at risk of rough sleeping and the others are homeless households and families. We have a mixture, we have singles and people, couples with children. Tell us about a sort of typical Christmas here. So this is our first Christmas here at Trinity and we're really pleased that you've donated those presents and thank you very much for those. Um, this year we're going to be having a Christmas on Christmas Day. We're having a big celebration that the residents who live here are coming together to um, create a Christmas meal and they'll be eating that together as well. And the presents that you've donated will really help. And so just a quick word to the people that obviously they'll never get to see the smiles on the faces on Christmas morning and uh, you'll never get to meet them. But have you got a message for any of those people that have, especially at this time of year, and especially at this time where we are with everything going on, I mean, you know you're at the sharp end of how hard things are right now, but just a, a little message for our listeners that have um, donated. Just to say thank you 100%. We're so grateful and, you know, you've really helped us out this Christmas and the people that are living here and not just here in our other accommodation as well will really benefit from your generosity. Thank you. Thanks again so much for your generosity. Now, this is one of our most read stories on the site today. The owner of a nightclub in Dover has confirmed it's closed permanently. The Funky Monkey on Bench Street was one of the most popular in the town and had been running for 16 years. With the Kent Online podcast has been told it's been bought by the council and it's thought the building may well be demolished. Well, perhaps you used to go there. We'd love to hear your memories of the Funky Monkey. You can get in touch by leaving a comment on the story or via our socials. Tickets to see McFly at Margate's Dreamland have gone on sale today. They're going to be performing on the scenic stage on July the 7th next year. The 
following day they'll be at Pub in the Park in Tunbridge Wells. And now with a roundup of everything going on in Kent this weekend, here's Sam Laurie. Now, I know lots of people will be staying in to either watch the football or avoid the below zero temperatures this weekend, but if you are venturing outside at all, we've got a few things that you can get up to. The big Christmas event this week is Castlemas. The huge 13-day event at Tunbridge Castle opened on Thursday and is now fully up and running. It's free to enter and you can visit the festive market, Jingle Bell Bar and Daily Snowfall without spending a penny. However, if you do feel like making the most of your time at the castle, you can book tickets to one of the many live shows inside the Igloo Theatre, including kids' entertainment, magic, dance, karaoke, burlesque and more. Or you can book a trip to Santa's Castle where you can meet the man himself. These tickets also guarantee you priority entry to the castle grounds on busy days, so it might just be worth booking in for an experience or two. And speaking of festive shows, another big Kent Panto opens up this weekend. From Saturday, the Orchard Theatre in Dartford will launch its production of Cinderella, starring former Union J member and I'm a Celeb campmate George Shelley in his Panto debut. So if you do feel like taking the family to the theatre, you know where to go. There are one or two non-Christmassy events still taking place, although I think they might just be the last ones left of the month, but here we go. First up, Canterbury-born comedian and TV star Harriet Kemsley is closing a huge nationwide tour, which included five nights at the Soho Theatre, with a hometown show at the Garbenkian on Saturday. Another famous face in Kent this weekend is Tom Fletcher, who will be signing copies of his new book, Space Band, at Waterstones in Bluewater. The McFly star will be meeting fans from 3pm onwards on Saturday. We are starting to wind down with events for the year now, although I can hardly believe it's that time of year already. But I think we'll still have a few final things for you to see and do in the county next week. So keep an ear out for that. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham are through to the third round of the FA Cup after a dramatic game at Priestfield last night. They beat Dagenham and Redbridge 3-2 in their second round replay. Jill's manager, Neil Harris, says the icy conditions made it incredibly tough, but the winning goal was pretty spectacular. Here are his thoughts from after the game. I'm pleased the sport was had excitement. Um, I thought the conditions helped the game in the sense of there was a lot of turnovers because the condition of the football um, was hard to see for people even on the telly would be the, the ball was freezing a lot because of the, the grass. The only time you try to control the roll your foot over the ball, the ball would slip. Um, so we realised that in the in um, in the warm up, and said to the boys it might be what team makes the least mistakes. Um, as it turns out, was it, we made a poor mistake for their second goal, um, but it didn't cost us in the end. And like what we say is. Cut football's all about getting through to the next round. That is all what matters. Um, the fact we're through is a, is a main thing and everyone gets to look forward to Leicester here in January. We set up in the sense of to, to try and cause some problems, try to nullify their threats, which I thought we did. Miles Western, you know, was very quiet tonight compared to the first game. Um, so we set up in, in that to try and nullify them um, and, then, and then try and find a way of being more productive at the top end of the pitch. And, and I thought we was a better team um, and then I thought we went another level when the subs come on. I thought the, the subs were really impactful. Alex McDonald was tremendous when he came on today. Not just with a, the, the cross for the goal, but just 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 his determination and his game understanding. Um, and that's that's you know it's important for him to understand that that impact. We need that. And whether it's from the start, whether it's from the bench, it, you know he can impact games. Um, 
I thought we had the better chance over the course of 90 minutes and, and, and deserved to win the game. It should give everyone confidence we scored three goals in the game. Um, the fact that we had numerous other chances as well to score more goals. Um, we need to follow it up with Bradford Sunday. And that's, that's the obvious. Is we need we need to follow that up, that finish with a start against Bradford, and we need to play like we did against Salford in the first half for 90 minutes. And once we do that, and we do that again and again, then we start winning games of football. And then the atmosphere in the stadium would change because people are relaxed and be less nervous and and anticipate and be excited about coming to watch the team again. Um, but it's a, a snowball effect and. I've said before after cup victories we have to take them to the next game and we've done it in small doses but we have to be more consistent and look tonight was enjoyable it's nice to be in the third round you know we've been unbelievably good in the cup this year but then any other team in the lower leagues um, but we have to be better in the league yeah. the reason we're good in the cups is because you can get away with being inconsistent over 90 minutes um, or you can get away with a moment in the league you can't do that you have to be consistent game after game and half after half and that's why we have to be better and everyone will be excited about Leicester but that's not the biggest game of the season the transfer window is the biggest game of the season and everyone needs to realise that because we've got some players with ability and we've got some good good people in the change room but they need some support and they need help and now we've got Leicester at home uh, live on TV and we're through with prize money we need to add to the transfer you know, committee to, to you know get personnel in the building to support me. They'll host Premier League side Leicester City in the next round in January. Hundreds of people are expected to brave the cold and watch England's World Cup quarter-final on a big screen in Kent at the weekend. They take on world champions France in Qatar on Saturday night. Dan Johansson is from Folkestone Harbour Arm. He's been chatting to Ish. I can't wait. I think it's been a weird and wintry World Cup, but um, I think it always gets more exciting when England make it this far. Um, and yeah, I think we're just looking forward to a kind of big clash, uh, you know, taking on the world champions, um, France and our neighbours. It's very exciting. So how can people watch the game at the Harbour Arm? We in at the Harbour Arm have got a large outdoor cinema screen in an area of the site we call the Goods Yard. Um, it is, uh, it's housed in a, in a set of shipping containers and there's seating in there for a few hundred people. It's also home to 10 independent street food businesses and seating for over 800. And I imagine that creates a really special atmosphere when it's packed out. What, what has it been like when England have been playing? There is nothing like watching the football on the big screen. Obviously, we're outside of your traditional stood outside with a cold lager watching the football um, on the big screen. But, you know, in the Goods Yard, we've got a sheltered seating area, a very large one that's got heating too. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, um, uh, we, we, we've created a kind of festive, fun, fairly cosy environment for people. And, you know, it's people are having a good time. Yeah. And we've got really low temperatures at the moment. What would be your message to someone who's umming and ahhing about coming out and celebrating and supporting England in the cold? There's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. Um, we, as I say, it's sheltered and there's heating in there as well. And I do think as well, I don't think this is ever going to happen again. I don't think we'll ever have a Winter World Cup. So um, in terms of the experience of uh, watching an international football tournament on a big screen with a mulled wine in hand, 
I don't think this is going to happen again. And if England do win, I imagine it's going to be fever pitch at the Harbour Arm. We're very excited. You know, this is this is shaping up to be our best attended match so far. And when a goal is scored, you can't beat being surrounded by hundreds of others in the outside watching a big screen. Do enjoy the match. We'll have reaction to the result in bulletins on our sister radio station KMFM on Sunday morning. And finally, in cricket, Kent Zach Crawley has opened the batting for England in their second test in Pakistan. Sadly, he only managed 19 runs before being bowled out, but England already lead the three-match series 1-0. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get an update of the top stories direct to your email each morning. That's via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk and whilst you're on the site today, you can read the latest review from our secret drinker. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Do wrap up and stay warm. We'll be back with the podcast on Monday. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.